0: And I love you guys. So I was thinking about the summer. You know, I don't know about you guys, but do you take time to read a novel? Or time to read a biography or something? Because a lot of times our work is so busy, 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 we're just going from one thing to the next. But the summer is different. So have you read any good stories? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I I love looking over when Mark's reading a novel, and I just read over a page, and I can guarantee you, whether it's the beginning, middle, or the end, there's something that is either just about to, or already has blown up. Okay? Have you guys ever experienced any of this? It doesn't matter what novel it is, and there are hundreds of these things blowing up. So anyway, this slide, I think, uh, you know, for all us pet lovers, we know cats, do like the more intelligent books. <laughs> so, last week Mark talked about truth incarnate. He talked about the power of us living God's truth so that that's what's communicated to the world. Do, do you guys remember the story he told about the Russian dissident and the pastor that were in the prison together for years and years? And they have all these arguments, that Russian was an atheist, and they'd have all these arguments about God constantly. But through the years, the pastor continued to give his care packages, his blankets, hold the Russian when he, the Russian was sick. And so at the end of the time, when the Russian said, okay, all these talks we've had, really tell me, what is God like? And the pastor was able to say, God's a lot like me. And that's, that's what God did. He came in flesh and blood. He came into our world, into our story. I love how the Message Bible says, God became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Isn't that great? Because that's what he has for us. And so today we're going to look at story and how God comes into our story. Because at the end of the day, it really is about living our story. And I think we're here today because we want to live our story well. So Mark set us up and he talked about the implications of what a great story can have effect on people. So today we're going to look at how. I, I always feel like kind of the practical, boring end of the whole thing. How are we going to do that, Mark? Mark's got this big brain, you know, and it's like, okay, how do we package this thing and settle it down and live it? So we're going to look at the story of Hudson Taylor. And then we're going to look at some passages that I think are going to help us live our story. So in the early 1800s. Hudson Taylor was born to a pastor in a home that was a pastor's family, and a mom and a dad, really strong Christians. They prayed for their son. They role modeled, showed prayer and everything, and they took him to church. But no matter what he did, Hudson really only lived for this life only. His journals show that he had tried many times to become a Christian, but it didn't take And and isn't that so true because we we find sometimes we compare ourselves with the lives of people we see and we look and we know. We see ourselves inside, right? We're seeing other people outside and it's looking better than what's inside, right? So we compare ourselves. And so Hudson Taylor as a young man thought, this didn't take. I'm just going to live for this world only. Hudson Taylor, by the way, was a missionary. And we know what a phenomenal life he lived. But there there he was, 17-year-old. And on Sundays, you know how everything was shut down those days. And he needed to amuse himself, so he went into his father's library to find a book. And he couldn't find any book. All he could find is tracks. Do you guys ever remember what tracks are? You know, there's little things that people, when they're scared to tell you about God, they do a track and run. (laughs) It's really great. If you haven't heard about them, God bless you. You don't need to hear about them. But this track had a story in it. So he was reading along. But at the same time, 80 miles away, his mother, his dear little mother, got this fire in her and said, Today is the day my son has to know you, God. And I'm going to go into my room, lock the door until that's complete. I'm not going to stop praying. So there he was there's a praying mom thank you (laughs) at the end uh, there he was in the story and part of the story that the guy said god had showed him it is finished and hudson thought what is finished what what is finished and he read on and this story talked about this man who who finally saw jesus as coming not only to die on a cross as a representation But really took all the sins of mankind. And when he died, he said, it is finished. It was done. And Hudson thought, well, if it's done, there's nothing left for me to do. It's not up to me. And that day he gave his heart to God. He gave his life to God. This is the story that, that we live. But until we capture it. Until it comes in and we make it our own, it's just that conceptual abstract. Mark said last week, God doesn't come to us with a bunch of abstract concepts. He comes in a life, and He comes in your life. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? So today we're going to look at some of Hudson Taylor's uh, journals, really give us some really good clues about how to have habits. That help God's story come into our story. Because we're not a bunch of cookie cutters. I mean, look at us, you guys. (laughs) We are not the same, are we? I mean, really. And that's what, (laughs) just saying, I wanted to say that. (laughs) So, what we want to see is how we can make his story, our story, in our bodies. Because what's going to reach somebody is different than what, how you're going to reach somebody, Kathy. And so we're going to look at these habits. Um, let's look at Ephesians 3. This is halfway through the book of Ephesians. And we, we had a great series here on Ephesians a number of years ago. Check out the website because that was a really good, really good study on Ephesians. But Paul spends the first half of his letter telling the churches what God has done for us. The riches, praise God, all spiritual riches are ours in him. So he spends the whole half of the letter, and then he stops again and he prays. And he prays out of all these glorious riches that I've talked about, out of them, I pray that you may have power, that he may strengthen you with power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. So he wanted spiritual power for these people so that they could grasp and make it their own. That word that we translate grasp there in the NIV version in, in the con- King James Version, they use the word comprehend, but it's actually the word katalambano. Anybody want to say that? It's really fun. Katalambano. Oh, wow, sounds like a dance. Like a dance. Ooh, lambano. <laughs> so, thank you, Mark. You're always thinking about dance. He's just always just such a dancer. So, katalambano is to lay hold of something so as to make it your own. To appropriate, to seize and take possession. So it's like if I took your cell phone and I just grabbed it and made it my own. Would, would that be a good thing? No, no, Probably illegal, right? So Okay. So we can't make somebody else's property our own. But... Out of his glorious riches. Those are our own. Those are legal. Take them. Take them. Seriously. Okay, calm down. It's going to get wild here in a bit. I guarantee you. (laughs) But we can't get wild the whole time or else I'll have to have the prayer team come and lift me off the floor. Okay, so. What we have in Philippians 3, he says the same thing. He says, I press in to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Same word, catalambano. There, there's this taking, taking. I heard a saying that really stuck with me lately it's, it's not about achieving, it's about receiving. And, and do you guys remember when Alan Vincent was here, how he taught about faith and how he threw his great big Bible out into the audience and saying, you've got to receive it. It was just such a powerful illustration. That's what happens. We have to receive this. So, you know, it comes to the question, how? There's... Um, I was with friends the other the other day, and there were the three generations, and we were having a very nice barbecue, and the little girl started going from room to room. Do you remember this? And she said, you've got to come and see. You've got to come and hear my brother's debut. He is going to sing for the first time. So all us adults got in there and got our appropriate recording devices, and we're all set, and He needed the lights out for some reason so we shut the lights out and and he just started singing this little song about friendship friends you are my friend it just captured us didn't it it was spectacular children are known for this they live their lives in front of us they seize a concept and they don't hold it to themselves Have you guys, do you guys with young people, do they hold everything to themselves? No. No. They put it on display. They take hold of something and they display it. While we were watching, I heard this thought in my mind and said, Tell all the adults in this room not to just watch, but to get up, to sing, and to dance with them. Not watching them. What happens to us, you guys? We get a little older, and we just. (laughs) This next slide. Are we more comfortable as spectators? Yes. Immediately. We know we are. We don't like change. We don't like risk. We don't like the fear of failure. Do we? So it's just a little easier to watch. Yeah. So there's these riches of glorious inheritance for all of us who are children of God. But it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. So we'll just watch. I like to watch John up here doing all his stuff. And then we go home and we critique. It's fun. Isn't it fun? <laughs> and y'all can do that for me because I deserved it. Because we always have this, Right. We're always juggling this stuff in our mind about other people. And, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to. Now, I need to clear this up in case John listens. I love listening to his sermons. His stories and illustrations always capture me. Do you remember, what am I on memory lane here? But anyway, one time he had um, a whole bunch of roadblocks set up on the um, stage. And I think Ken Barrett. You were there, and you were playing Jesus, because Ken had long hair at one time, and he was always playing Jesus, but, but, but now he, he acts like Jesus, so we still use him for, for playing Jesus. And, and I'm just recruiting for children's ministry, Ken, by the way, if in case that was a little too subtle. But what happens is, is there were Jesus there, and there were all these roadblocks, and uh, John was like trying to pray and do all the right things to get to Jesus. Jesus busted down the roadblocks and came to John. Yeah. So he's taking hold of what God's done in him and bringing it to us every Sunday. It's a great, great privilege. So, but I, what I find is not only do we spectate, but we also fight what's uncomfortable. So on the screen is, is a very unique picture. You'll have to see it. But what we do, you guys, is something doesn't feel good. We try to get out of it. But what if God's in that uncomfortableness? We're fighting him. Oh, pray for me. Pray for me. Get this off of me. Well, what is God saying to you in it? really i mean i hate to be the bearer of bad news we have prayer teams that are powerful and miraculous but how many of you guys have come forward for a need and really found that it was an adjustment internally that god actually brought you yeah so here's what happens when i'm uncomfortable i usually have sort of one of three responses the first one will be intensity Okay, I don't like, so maybe I don't like being wimpy, okay? Maybe I'm not, like, buff. You know, Eric, thank you very much. He walks by, and everybody's like, okay, we're not buff. So so anyway, he is a personal trainer, so I take commission. Um, But he's, I'm just like, I don't want a wimpy body anymore. So I go to the gym, and I, like, just totally do it all, you know? And uh, I'm so glad we're not being filmed anymore. But the next day... I can't move right intensity intensity without brains equals yeah (laughs) stupidity thank you and so that's what I do so the next day I can't move so I think okay let's redirect let's try the paleo diet right I'll just eat all pale foods right that's what the pale paleo diet is right pale foods and um I'll just do that and then and then I see a muffin I have the muffin so let's try a muffin diet, muffin diet, and just have carbs. So that goes, that goes, and we go. And then the next day, <laughs> I'm too sugar high that I can't function at all, right? So then I go into settle. Hey, this body, I am what I am. So that's the patterns that I get. I either go intense or I totally redirect. Or just like, I am what I am. You knew what you got when you were married. Sound familiar? <laughs> so, so we just do this. These patterns over and over and over in our mind. So is there another way? Do you want another way? Yeah, yeah I love marrying. <laughs> so when I, when I find myself in these patterns... I need another acronym. Okay, I'm an acronym junkie, okay, so you saw that IRS? IRS? I don't know about you guys, but when I hear the word IRS, I know this is gonna cost me something. <laughs> right? And it's gonna cost me something because it's all about me. Because you know, sometimes God will lead you into intensity or redirect. Or to become content in an area. He will do that. But what I'm talking about is these unhealthy patterns in my mind. It's all about me. Me, 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 me. Isn't that what you taught about last week when you t- or two weeks ago in the anointing? It's all about me. It's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's just this me. So sometimes they say when people need to get out of habits, they put an elastic band around them and they snap it. And it just jars them out of these patterns. So here's my acronym that I've used for quite a number of years, STOP, S-T-O-P. So we're going to look now at Hudson's life, and we're going to look at what these might stand for. You guys in? Because cause I don't know about you. Does anybody else have patterns that get stuck in? No. Never. Okay, that's great. It's nice to live with an angel. Um, so what we're going to do is look at the first one. Now, Josh, Josh, I just loved worship this morning. Thank you. Where are you, Josh? In the back. Oh, with the kids. Hi, Josh. Stillness. You know, stillness was part of Hudson Taylor's um, part of his entire um, culture wasn't it they knew about stillness no internet no cell phones no TV and I mean over in China I mean, it was years before he could learn to speak the language there was a lot of stillness there's a lot of time of reflection but not totally he, he went on to create hundreds of mission stations in China he brought over a thousand missionaries from America and Europe to China he trained hundreds of Chinese workers he ran that entire ministry for 51 years so do you think he had a few distractions so that first intentional habit is stillness. Stillness. But it doesn't come naturally. It isn't handed to you. Oh, Michelle, I'd like Will calls you up. Michelle, I'd like to give you a day of stillness. You know, I'll take the kids. I'll, I'll do everything. Go be still. But you know, I bet you, even if he did that, there would still be a pressure getting there. About two years ago, I went to a great workshop. Dr. Neil Nybo, um teaches a workshop, Discovering Your Next Step. I really recommend it. And it's this unique process of looking at significant events or core elements of who you are and then asking a series of questions and then stopping and waiting. Lord, is there anything you want to show me that I haven't already seen through this. And it's amazing. Even people that never heard God's voice before will hear something. It's wonderful. And for me, I was reflecting on a significant moment where God had given me some direction, and it had been when I was still. So I thought I heard him say, I want you to take half an hour every afternoon and lie perfectly flat on the floor, be still for 30 minutes every day. Now, that sounds really good, doesn't it? Like, it sounds really good at first blush. (laughs) But I know for me, I've dealt with chronic pain for a number of years. And I've also felt like a very active person. And I feel like I connect with God when I walk or when I dance or when I write. It's always had an action. So this was not good news. This was seriously. And then... You know, I have a hard enough time getting my work done. So to take half an hour out and do nothing, I'm going to lose my job again. This shouldn't be recorded, you know? Like, what's going to happen? It's not going to work. So anyway, I tried it because, I mean, I've typed your notes. I've typed Mark's notes, his PowerPoint. He teaches on stillness. He trains them. I've always been very polite and really admired that, but not for me. So... I tried. The first month was awful. It was awful. Every anxiety and distress and frustration got just maximized, just like grew into these giant thoughts. It was half an hour of agony every, every day. It was like great. But again, I typed the notes, did the PowerPoint, listened to the sermon, so I kept at it. You know... I think it was about four or five months i started to find myself finding it easier to listen to listen to people it was tested at the women's christmas party a number of years ago i got laryngitis and i thought well nobody wants my germs to come but i had this desire to come and listen just listen and you know a year after doing this 30 minutes Like, I struggled the whole way through. I wrestled the whole way through it. This wasn't like a happy, like, blissful time. It was a struggle. But about a year into it, I found that I was longing for long lineups or plane trips or any place I could get more stillness. You guys, I was rewired. I was literally rewired. And then studying neurology, you know, the course we took and. And, and reading these books, we can be rewired. This is phenomenal. So, S is for stillness. Now, <clears throat> Hudson also had another intentional habit, and that was real, honest relationship with God. He was a man of the word, he knew the patterns in Scripture, he knew the laments. Of Moses, of Abraham, of David. He knew to go to God, to turn his heart totally to God and pour out his spirit. Just pour out his pain. And this is another thing in our culture, we're just not that good at. We have something uncomfortable, we go to a movie. Or if a movie's not accessible, we'll go to the fridge, you know, or we'll watch football. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> so that wasn't in my notes that he proved, but I'm just saying we cannot stress enough how much we hate emotional discomfort. We do not like it. We want it gone. We don't want to think about it. And, you know... It's one thing we go around and tell everybody else. But are we turning to God? We say we do. We say we do. But are we thorough? You know, emotions are simply lights on a dashboard. They tell you something's under the hood. Jerry, something's under the hood. Open the hood and let some pressure off. That's what emotions are. They're not your navigation system. Okay? It's not time to change jobs or whatever. But they're saying something needs to be done with them. So be thorough. Hudson one time, his eight-year-old daughter, one day she was out, just a little, beautiful, precocious little gal, telling a Chinese man about Jesus. It was wonderful. And the next day, she was gone. She died of a illness instantly. Hudson had much pain to pour out to God, but he knew where to go. He knew where to go. And in that pattern of lament, of of stopping... Stilling yourself, turning your heart to God, opening and pouring out. You leave room. You leave room when you've gotten that pain out and you haven't distracted yourself on other things. You leave room for praise. Yes, you leave room for the wonder of God. Hudson would recite the goodness of God to himself. He said his, his heart grew cold for the, for the millions in China. He, his heart grew cold. But he knew well enough to recite the goodness of God so that it entered into his life. And that's what came out to the Chinese people. That's why they wanted Jesus. They saw it. They saw it in his life. They saw it because he was living it. He wasn't putting on a good front. This was his life. A couple of years ago, you know, we've we've been on this journey um, dealing with chronic pain, trying to find the root cause, trying to find things that will help, trying to find ways that I can travel and It just got so much about me. It just made me sick. Figure that out. My sickness making me sick. Because the focus was on me. Right? I was trying to fix this, fix this, fix this. So I got tired of listening to myself. I really, really did. Can't imagine what you all were going through because you were hearing about me. But... I decided to take one attribute of God every month and totally focus on it. Just totally focus on God as Redeemer. You know, bringing things to life as they should be. God as teacher. God as friend. God as father. God as mother. God as creator. Oh, my, we're having so much fun in children's ministry just focusing on God as creator. You know, because how can we trust someone? How can we ask our children to trust someone that they don't even know? We're we're usually telling them about their bad behavior, and you need God. Well, God who? Well, God who created this beautiful life that we get to live. That God. So get the focus off of ourselves. Get the focus off of behavior. Get the focus off of fixing everything that is uncomfortable, you guys. Do away with it. Pour yourself into him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I have a great friend. We were talking and she said, she said, I'm in a situation right now that is so uncomfortable. She said, I've never been this uncomfortable, and I do not like it. She said, you know, my friend, people are advising me, get out of this. Get out of this uncomfortable place. But she, she, she told me, she said, I'm getting a sneaking suspicion that there might be something bigger happening here. That there might be something better coming out of this. So she's in this situation, you guys. She's in it saying. Graham Cook has this wonderful phrase. He says, Who does God want you to Who does God want to be for you now that he couldn't be in any other situation? Isn't that incredible? Just just think about that. Think about your lives right now. What's uncomfortable? What attribute of God is God bringing? Does God want to be for you? Healer, right? Strength. Strength to face the day. Strength to keep praying when you see people suffering. He wants to be. Your strength he doesn't want to give you strength yeah. he comes with it right. he comes with it he really does doesn't he darla and you see the beauty about getting older is you get these experiences right you've tasted and seen that he answers your heart he answers your cry. He doesn't always answer the prayer that you've clearly detailed in three-point form. Okay? Sometimes he's just a little oblivious to that. Or maybe he's not. Maybe he's saying, I see that that's what you want. Maybe he smiles. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) I want to give you me. You want out? I want in. in. So how we're doing on time. For some reason, I've set up time from another city here. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, uh, Mark and I are both quite tremendously. Okay. What I want to do today is think about How can we put these intentional habits in our lives? Because we're not Hudson Taylor. We're not. The 1800s are over. We landed in China. Now we need China over here. Yeah. But habits let him be him in you, Tom. Right? Because we need Tom. We need Tom and what God wants to live through you. So, these habits stilling ourselves, turning to God, opening our heart, and praising. So, we're going to do that. So, Josh, if you want to come up, sometimes we're going to do pots, praise Him, open our hearts, turn to God, and be still. You like that. I got a smile out of van. I like that. I just thought of that this morning. Hey, POTS backward. It's not backwards, it's POTS. So I, I really I, I love acronyms. I love when they flip. And I'm glad it didn't say a bad word because that wouldn't have been too appropriate, would not it? <laughs> so um, what we're going to do is, you guys now, you guys now get to take this message. And you get to apply it the way it works for you. And if you have trouble with stillness, I really, really invite you to talk to Mark or I. Mark's hopefully going to teach his course again. Carol, Carol Carolyn Lance took it. A couple other people have taken it. I want Kyle to teach it someday. And there's lots of ways we can teach each other through our lives. But you guys, I needed habits. I came into the faith as a broken, needy, whiny, fearful, insecure. And without intentional habits, I'm whiny and insecure. I think we all are we were talking last night and we said you know we're not as far along as we thought we were a new test will come so today whether you're going to do pots or stop i just welcome you maybe we have we could have can we have those lights on l1 or whatever it does we we lower the lights a bit if you are really stuck in an area I want those habits, but I'm stuck, And you come forward we'll pray. The prayer team's welcome to just enter in or to come and pray or just grab some, one of your friends and say, pray over me, I'm stuck, because at the end of the day, it's your life that we're talking about. I love you guys. I pray for you every day.